Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're just going to have to try something else, won't we? Seniors? You love it. Smile. You love us. <laughs> Yo, Matt Chatham here for Football by Football. What's that sound you hear in the background? That's the infamous scene from Dazed and Confused, the freshman initiation scene in the high school parking lot. Seniors dumping bags of flour, ketchup and mustard condiments all over the kids' backs, breaking eggs on them, making them get on their knees and beg for certain things. Uh, that... Why is that relevant? Why is that relevant right now in the middle of a, uh, a Super Bowl lead-up? It's because Colin Coward, you know, famous uh, Fox personality there, radio host and all of that of the herd, he gets an opportunity, a rare opportunity, for a sit-down with Roger Goodell. Why? Because he's a friendly and obviously because Fox is doing the game. Why is it important to point out this particular scene? Well, because this is one of the most embarrassing prostitution interviews you will ever hear in sports media. Colin Coward is a bright guy from all indications. I don't know him personally, and this is not a personal attack. This is just the first public major for sort of media figure that's gotten a swing at this guy since he's gone into hiding. He's not been doing media interviews extensively for anyone other than a Gary Myers New York friendly uh, a couple months ago. That's it. So this guy does, he speaks at uh, owners' meetings at hotels. Uh, he shows up at uh, press conferences uh, for his Super Bowls each year. He stops in at Play 60 events, and occasionally for a network he'll do one of these sit-downs without any follow-up questions. So you get a bright guy like Colin, you get in a sit-down situation, you get someone who's got strong opinions like he has in the herd and all that stuff, and you hear the garbage that comes out of Roger's mouth and, quite frankly, teed to him by some some slobbering by Colin, which was a little bit shocking. So we need to go into this line by line and sort of break this down, deconstruct this thing, and why it's so important to not be like this with a man who's so dishonest. How this sort of undermines really the entire public messaging that comes from the NFL offices. We all want a great game. We want it to be here 20 years from now. But with a bootlicking like this from not really a journalist, but at least a major media figure, when we get nothing more than this, the league suffers. This can't happen. This sort of prostitution kind of thing here for media members. It's disgraceful. This is the kind of audio you would want scrubbed from the internet if it was your own voice. Let's dive in. How are you, Commissioner? I'm great, Colin. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate it. Um, I just moved from the New England area. Uh, I know how parochial it is. I know how uh, cynical it is. Part of that, politically and sports-wise, I absolutely love. But there's a feeling in Boston, fair or not, and I think it's largely unfair, that the NFL is anti-patriots. We know it's parochial. We understand how fans react. But how comfortable are you with that? And on that note, let me jump in. Sort of this notion of parochialism, this idea that sort of 
the entire question framing here is embarrassing, really, and it's not a reflection of reality. And this doesn't this doesn't cut into what my opinion is, or what Colin's opinion is, or what any sort of media member or fan's opinion would be, because this is this is a tactic. This is putting a fence around a community. It's saying these New England states feel this way, and sort of trying to give the interviewee Roger this sort of notion that uh, this is just something they think. No one else thinks this. Just them. And that's complete dishonest nonsense. Read a newspaper, Colin. Read a newspaper, Roger. I know you both have. But this, you can look in the Washington Post. You can look in the LA Times. You can look in the Chicago Trip. They're all over the place. Non-New England uh, papers. Houston Chronicle. They're everywhere in relation to recent stuff, in relation to the and Deflategate stuff as the news has sort of trickled out over the last two years. The idea that an anti-Gadel sort of uh, frame of mind lives in these few states up here in the Northeast is dishonest nonsense. And when you sort of lob it up and give it to Roger that way, it sort of allows you to sort of co-sign on his BS point of view that he's about to regurgitate to you, and we'll hear it here in a second. But when you give it to him the way he wants to give it back to you, you're both being dishonest, and that's all this is. So understand, people, this is really where it gets gross. You can't pretend on his behalf for the things that he wants to pretend back to you. The idea that Roger Goodell is simply unpopular with one of the 32 is dishonest. It's a lie. It's not a reflection of reality. So talking about parochialism, this idea of being narrow-minded and just sort of being part of a tribe, and the tribe thinks this way, well, hey, bud, look at look at the other 31. There's 31 of the teams, and maybe it's not as intense. It clearly isn't as that place. But you just got to wake up and look around the country and realize that this dude is loathed wherever he goes. This guy is not on the big screen. This guy is not on any NFL stadium. This guy is not out there with front-page news or anything in the NFL. He's hit from the entire NFL public, not just the New England one. Even when he makes these sort of you know, mumbled announcements that he's going to be in a place. It ain't to be on the big screen. It ain't to be out there for a coin toss. It ain't to be out there in front of the camera. They've hidden this man from the NFL public, not the New England public. You can't find Roger Goodell in an appearance anywhere. He's been hidden because he's loathed everywhere. To try to frame this as New England thinks this way is to pretend that they don't think this way by and large in other places. That there is a lie. Back into the audio. Well, listen, the fans uh, are going to feel what they want. We have, uh, obviously, 32 sets of fans, national fans, that um, you know want to make sure that we're doing things that are upholding the integrity of the game at all times. Uh, we think this is a great opportunity to see the two best teams in football uh, playing on Sunday in the Super Bowl. The Patriots have earned it. The Falcons have earned it. And we're thrilled. We think this is one of the great matchups and should be one of the great games. And obviously, Goodell punts on the question, even as weak as the question was, he doesn't really address this notion that you've been anti one particular organization. That said, he goes back to this sort of snide little comment on the front end, well, a fan base is going to think what they're going to think. Well, it's not just the fan base that thinks this, and that's the part that both really questioner and questionee here are punting on. The idea is that, uh, you know what, roundly seen as corruption throughout this process of deflate gate. Now, they went in court the right to be corrupt, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't. So to, to answer Colin question how limp it was you would still need to say well why have you ruled in a certain way on this particular team if if Goodell gave some sort of rebuttal in that framework it at least would be sort of kind of answering what what 
Colin was getting it, but he didn't. He left it alone and said, oh, people are going to think things. Well, the reality is also scientists around the country think things. They think your interpretation was bogus, ridiculous, uh, outlandish, just just stupid, really. I mean, if, we, if we're going to be honest here. So th- really a lot of this stuff has come down to a commissioner that's been very dishonest and given an opportunity to continue to be dishonest here. Ah, people are going to think what they're going to think. Now, that doesn't answer the question. The question is, have you acted specifically different with them? Fair or not, and I believe not fair, I think I've made that clear, it still wasn't answered. So here we go. Let's see if he does a little better on the next question. But Boston fans are thinking, why doesn't the commissioner show up to our playoff games again? This is how Boston reacts. It's a feisty media. All right, well, I'm cutting that off. So we don't have to hear the rest of, of Colin's question. We can hear it later. But, again, he's starting in with that nonsense. He's sort of giving Goodell these underhanded pitches, uh, this idea that Boston thinks a certain way. Boston has been questioning why you haven't been coming to their games that's dishonest. That's just sort of not a a nice mental collection of what's been going on in the country. Google the idea of Goodell not attending Patriot Games or whatever search term you want to use. That has been written on, widely ridiculed, uh, mocked from coast to coast, from every publication you can find, from Yahoo to MSN to LA Times to Houston Chronicle to New York Times. It, It was a national story. USA Today. This guy has been mocked on that from anyone who had a pen or microphone. So the idea that Boston seems seems to think this is, is again, it's sort of giving the, the commissioner a back rub on his shoulders as he's about to give you a nonsense answer. From a pure interviewer standpoint, that is lecherous. That is so scummy. Your tongue is out and wagging down to your chin, and now you're applying it to the length of the boot. Don't do that. Let's hear the rest of the question. Um, so I have to ask you, why not go to Foxborough? Were there safety concerns, perhaps? No, Colin. It's, you know, listen, we had two great games. Uh, I was in Boston two years ago for uh, the divisional and the championship games. Uh, I try to get to as many stadiums as I can. But, you know, we have two great games, and you've got to choose. And, and frankly, the, the focus should be on the players, the, the coaches, and the great game. And that's the way it was this weekend, and the way it should be. All right, so wherever you are listening to this audio, hope you've got a strong gag reflex and you're able to fight that off. But that was a load of crap right there. I mean, you have to understand that. If you've got a, an IQ over 45, everything that was said in that answer should send off blaring alarms. I mean, there's just, there's just no way around it. If you've got you know an education anywhere past third to fourth grade, that right there registered as a pile of crap. It just did. And I don't, I don't think there's any honest interviewer, interviewee, listener, observer, uh, person on earth uh, who doesn't live with a tube in their mouth who could have heard that and not said what what now here's the problem and we can't necessarily hammer Colin on this point because we don't know if there's some sort of agreement in place here to not do follow-up questions but because that right there is so I don't know if he's not following up because he's not allowed to and that's sort of part of the agreement in doing this and I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case if anyone is out there listening Roger Goodell has done his handful of friendlies over the last couple of years and there's never a follow-up there won't be follow-ups in press conferences each time he says something dishonest there's no uh, sort of ability to follow up and call him on his crap so this appears to be one of those situations where again Colin's a smart guy he knows what he just heard was a lie. He has to know that. There's there's no possible way unless he just put his fingers in his ears during the answer that he doesn't know that he was just lied to. Goodell's completely ridiculous answer to this question is two parts. I went two years ago 
which is an answer that no human with any self-respect would accept unless there were restrictions not to follow up. You would have to be just completely brain dead. You would have to be a dinner roll to hear that, not along with it, and then go to the next half. That That is a ridiculous answer. You went two years ago, really? Because you have a pattern of behavior prior to that. It might even be re- reasonable if this were the follow-up or this were sort of the rebuttal that you don't go for the two years because of the distraction it might cause or you know the idea that uh, you know it just wasn't safe. And Colin did touch on that, but... Whatever the excuse would be for why you didn't go, give that. But to pretend as if it was, did I do that, is completely ridiculous. It's disrespectful. It's the answerer saying back to the questioner, I think you're a moron. And it's for anyone who's out there listening, it's the answerer saying, I think the listeners are morons. Let's see if they eat this up. And in this instance, maybe because of restrictions, the questioner, He gets to play the part of Moron. Now, the second half of this is I try to get to as many stadiums as I can. Another dog ate my homework nonsense. Now, again, this is just insulting the intelligence of anyone who's hearing it or who's in the studio hearing this uh, answer. It's ridiculous. Of course, oh, do you now? Because you were in Atlanta the week before, you didn't go now. So a more intelligent question is clearly you had a pattern of behavior up to this point. There were two choices. You went to the one before. On a normal situation, we know you would have gone to New England. You didn't. Why? Tell us about it. Don't allow them to say that, oh, did I do that? And just play dumb. When everyone plays dumb, the game suffers. Truth and media suffers. It sends the very clear message that I agree to being this guy's bitch. And that's bad. It's not just bad and embarrassing for you. It's embarrassing for everyone that comes after you because it emboldens Roger Goodell. It emboldens his cronies. It says, here's a bunch of schmucks that we can run over. Our fans are morons. The people who interview us and sort of stand between us and them, they're morons. They'll go for anything we say. That is a problem. You have to have a sack and stand up to these people. If you don't, everyone suffers. Back into the audio. We know, Commissioner, that, you know, obviously NFL owners are people you work for. This is how all commissioners work. Um, There are commissioners at various times. David Stern struggled with Mark Cuban. Uh, Robert Kraft, the belief is that he doesn't, he's not happy with you at the very moment. Do you believe that to be true? <laughs> Colin, listen, I wouldn't be doing my job if somebody wasn't unhappy with a decision that you make or where you're doing it. Uh, Robert and I can disagree about things. We have a healthy respect for one another, but that's true with any owner. And that doesn't affect my impact, my relationship or the fact that we work together to try to make the NFL better. Ultimately, that's the that's the most important thing, Colin, for us. I can't agree with everybody. Yeah. At every moment. And I shouldn't. Uh, you know, a lot of these issues can be issues between teams. Uh, we obviously, uh, in many cases, have to discipline our clubs. Uh, that's part of the process. And we do that with a large number of our clubs when they're violations of policy. But it's not personal. It's professional. And it's to make sure that we're doing everything to protect the great game we have and promote it. <laughs> So yeah, I don't I don't necessarily have a problem here with the way Colin teed this question. He sort of put it out there that you used to have a relationship with this guy. It certainly and logically would now seem to be strained with Robert Kraft. Uh, 
Roger, why why is that? And so, hey, that's that's a good set him up to knock him down here in a second kind of situation. When Roger goes, oh no, it's great, things are wonderful, you know, sort of rosy eyed kind of deal. And, and obviously, that's a bunch of nonsense. The relationship is not the same. Uh, no one in the NFL has created a website to sort of uh, debunk all of the nonsense that Roger Goodell did. And it's not this. Hey, sometimes there's always going to be a an aggrieved party because we're dealing amongst two teams. I pick one side, the other side's going to be bad. No, that's that's downplaying what the complaint, the specific complaint was against you. You went here and lied about independence, both before, both after, both in court. You continue to talk about independence, which anyone, again, who's not brain dead, understands independence had nothing to do with this. It couldn't possibly. That's the complaint against you, that you were corrupt. You hired your own concussion attorneys to investigate players. You understand how ridiculous that is. There couldn't be anything less independent than that. You hired a notorious consulting firm to blow up the numbers, do a joke of a job that every scientist in America with a degree laughed at. It's a joke. That's the joke. That's the complaint against you. To minimize this to, man, whenever I do something to one team, it's not likely they'll be happy, but I got to do my job. That's when a smart interviewer comes right back with, no, but that's not the specific complaint against you, Roger. It's not that this guy who you once respected now doesn't respect you. Why doesn't he? Here's the specific complaints against you. Why did you go down that road? Now, again, I don't understand. I don't expect Colin Coward to, to frame it that way. This is more of a coddling kind of thing. Like I said, this is shiatsu. We're up and down Roger's back here letting him get off of this thing easy. But that would be the smart question. Now, he teed it okay. The rebuttal here would come right after. Yeah, that question, your answer to that question makes no sense, Roger. Here's the specific complaint against you. You originally accused someone of something you didn't understand. You don't understand how balls work. Your people don't understand how balls work. And that's why, and you made it, and you were willing to make a multi-million dollar accusation out of this. Blow something up in a way that's completely unprecedented. You've done this in no other case. So you do act, act differently. Not someone's opinion, a matter of record. You can look it up. You've never done this before. You did it in this instance, and what was revealed is that your clown show didn't know what was going on. Again, not an opinion, a matter of the court record. You didn't follow procedures of your own. You had no idea how they worked until after you made the accusation. And then when the science came out that debunked you, you invented a new penalty, a cooperation. That's that's a matter of fact. There, there are no disputes on this. It's not Roger's opinion. It's not Robert Kraft's opinion. It's not some radio hosts or anywhere across the country in Oregon, Texas, remain. It doesn't matter. That is what happened. Uh, so any you know, valid question here in this environment and, and realistic answer that comes back from it addresses specifically that. You did something to, to fracture this. Uh, how do you feel about having done that? And how do you respond to the complaints against you? The relationship's not the same. Don't tell that lie. The interviewer has to know it's not the same. You can't accept some answer from him that, oh, everything's wonderful. Our relationship is great. It's not, pal. Stop lying. Back into the audio. I understood because of the global growth, that's what you're looking for. Domestically, you're a very powerful league. The NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell joining us. And I understand the stadium issue in Oakland, and I understand them voting on that in March if they moved. But San Diego, Commissioner, doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel right to me. In my gut, it it feels, I, I don't know if it's too expedient, too fast, but San Diego doesn't feel to me as good as Oakland potentially moving or St. Louis moving to a globally iconic city, Los Angeles. Are you happy currently with a San Diego to L.A. move? I wouldn't be being fair here if I didn't say on that. 
Good question. Framed well, positioned well, put the guy in the spot, said, hey, you know what? I kind of get why the others happened. Uh, this one doesn't make sense. Why? So, hey, good job, Colin. Good question. Let's hear what Roger has to say. Well, Colin, listen, we're all disappointed, and we all worked very, very hard with local officials, uh, with the Chargers and the Spanos family, with uh, all of our clubs, and we did some unprecedented things to try to keep the Chargers in San Diego, which is was our first priority, and that's why all of our relocations, these are painful processes. They're painful for our fans. They're painful for the communities in general. They're painful for the NFL. And so we always work to avoid that, and we did that in San Diego. We worked very hard to try to avoid it, to make sure that we went not just the extra mile but the extra three or four miles, including the Chargers had the opportunity to move, frankly, a year ago. They stayed. Uh, Dean wanted to try to give it another shot. He went for a referendum. Unfortunately, that did not pass. And then we, you know, are faced with a consequence where everyone in that community recognizes that a new stadium has to be built. They have for several years. They've recognized that there have been many failed attempts at getting that done that all of us bear responsibility for. So for us, it is disappointing. And we would have loved to have had the Chargers in San Diego. I think Dean Spanos will be the first to tell you that. But we have to look forward. We have to look long term. And we have to, you know, ultimately... Uh, make sure that we're doing what's best for each of our franchises, but with a very, very strong consideration to making sure that we've done everything possible for our fans. This is one of those moments, uh, the honest moments in a response to Roger Goodell, that is really the most frustrating thing about him beyond just sort of the petty dishonesty that is persistent, you know, one corner of the mouth integrity, another corner of the mouth, something that is entirely not believable. This year, the lack of accountability is probably the biggest and most important thing. Understand there's a history here. Roger Goodell has made this at each of these sort of junctures where we've had a conversation about a market that he wants to have stay put from St. Louis to Oakland to San Diego to any of these that he's lost sort of in his tenure, you know, and this has been boom, 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 a bunch of them right in a row, uh, and how his his old pledge was that it was the number one prerogative uh, to keep teams where they were. That was his job, to, to make a fair deal, to get a deal that works for all sides, but that his number one goal was to keep them in place. So in moments like this, when Colin has framed it to you that, hey, this one doesn't feel right. I kind of sort of see the angle for why the other ones went awry, but this one I don't. When you have a, an express public opinion that my job is to try to do the best for these fan bases, and clearly the three fan bases of the places you just left are enraged, there's accountability there. And the idea that the sheriff, Tommy Toughnuts, Roger Goodell, the guy that's going to crack down on everything and hold his word on all things and bring astronomical revenue, but also do what's best for the fans, when he sort of punts on this idea of something that's presented to you as, hey, dude, you failed on that goal. How do you feel about failing on that goal? That's, that's what happened. And to be honest, a player... It gets faced with these questions all the time. Coaches get faced with them all the time. You had the goal of coming to this game and winning. You had the goal of completing that pass. You had the goal of advancing to the next round. You didn't. How do you feel about it? If, if a player or coach or general manager or whatever gave the answer, no, no, I actually did win that game. No, no, you didn't. 
you're out of the tournament. <laughs> you know, no, you didn't complete that pass. No, you didn't make that tackle. No, you you did do what caused you to no longer be a part of this. That is the kind of answer you want to hear from Roger Goodell. But because he's such a dishonest human being, even when he fails, he won't say that he failed. Every move is with him spun as a success. And that's the kind, when those kind of words come out of a person's mouth, you know you're dealing with a clown. You know you're dealing with a guy who's just not honest. When you say you're disappointed, disappointed why? Because you failed. You failed. You didn't succeed. So when he tails off at the, at the tail end there and says, ultimately, I have to do what's best for the fans. That's how he sort of left and, and laid out from that answer. Well, that can't possibly be true because there's pitchforks in the street in the, in the city of San Diego. They're not happy. You did not do what was best for them. You did not proffer a deal here. You did not make sure that it was adequately brokered for all sides to keep it in the market that it need be. Now it goes to be uh, this sort of joke of a franchise that gets to play second sister in L.A., a market that you should have red flags from this season. They may not be that enthusiastic about one, much less two. So you failed. Say you failed. And in the Roger, in the in the Brady thing, the Deflate Gate thing, you failed. In Bounty Gate, you failed. It doesn't mean that you got your way in the end, but you you waved the flag of integrity. You waved the flag of whatever else safety it was in Bounty Gate. And your predecessor, Paul Tagliabue, had to come in and mop up your mess. In Deflate Gate, you said it was all about integrity and integrity of the game and integrity of the process. And the court ultimately ruled you didn't have to have integrity, and you didn't, and you won that way. But you don't still get to say you did the opposite of what happened in the aftermath. In this situation, Colin is allowing Roger to be dishonest again. You didn't succeed. Why and how do you feel about having not succeeded? Again, we get nothing real here. Roger Goodell 101, back to the audio. And excuse me for my uh, cynicism, but it feels like if the Eagles or the Bears or the Cowboys or these, uh, I would say these entrenched franchises were out there hanging the Steelers, that with the billions a year annually the TV makes in, uh, your league makes in television revenue, you would jump in. Why can't a league say, here's a billion dollars, an interest-free loan, we want to get this thing done, we don't want to have two teams jammed into Los Angeles in six weeks, six months. Am I being cynical to believe that if it would have been a, a Bears, a Steelers, an Eagles, the league would have done more? No, Colin, I don't think you're being cynical, but I think uh, if you go back and look at the facts over the period of time, we've been very successful in getting stadiums built in those communities. Uh, each of the franchises you mentioned have had stadium challenges, but they were able to work through them. They were able to get them done with the local community leadership and the team. And we are the only league in the league, that, excuse me, in, in sports and in, to my knowledge in the world, that contributes league money into each of the stadium projects. And in the case of San Diego, NFL owners put not just the 200 that we put into each community, but we put 300 into it as a uh, as the effort of the league to try to mm -hmm. see if we could bridge the gap. So, again, I just go back, Colin, you're not being cynical, but I think the NFL owners, I think the Spanos family, and I think the community gave it all a, a really great effort. But are we disappointed? Of course. Again, you gave your best effort which can't possibly be true because you failed. Next question.
I never thought I'd ask a commissioner about marijuana, but here goes the NFLPA. <laughs> Got to be. A, I'm from Washington State, where they're okay smoking it, commissioner. So this is an odd question. I apologize, but the NFLPA has composed a proposal for less punitive approach to marijuana use. I would admit I'm a fiscal conservative, but a social uh, left leaner, perhaps, and I'm okay with it. It's a sport that has some regulated components of violence and physical contact. I do worry about chronic pain for your employees. I like less punitive approach to marijuana use like the NFLPA. Do you? Well, first off, uh, I spoke with Dee this morning. Uh, We've had several conversations about this issue. In fact, two years ago, uh, we did uh, take a less punitive approach to marijuana. Uh, This is part of it. This is a collective uh, drug program that we have with the Players Association and the NFL. And we'll always seek to try to find a better way to to do things and to see if the policy needs to be modified, as we did two years ago. That will be one of the subjects, obviously, that we'll have in the collective bargaining process, which we would like to get into sooner rather than later. We think it's in all parties' interest to extend the agreement we have now that's working very well for, for, uh, obviously, the players, but also the clubs, and I believe the game and the fans in general. Right now, the NFL has several marquee players not allowed to play football in its league because of weed. And this clown just said back into the microphone with Colin nodding along, we've actually reduced the punitive measures. Really? Uh, Reduced it to what? Dead is dead. There's no such thing as less dead. Back into the audio. Uh, Roger Goodell, NFL commission, 11 years in office, a three-port star, sports star, by the way, a captain of all three teams, but an, <laughs> but an injury kept you out of playing uh, football at the college level. And I want to talk about that. <laughs> Whew, that was a rough one. Uh, <laughs> yes, I think what Roger Goodell's ego needs is some massaging. I think you've got him for 13 minutes, one of the rare moments for these 365 days. And I think one of the things we should bring up is his high school glory days. Put out this sort of uh, myth that this guy was on his way to college stardom, if not for some mystery injury that cannot be mentioned or reviewed or researched. Yeah, so, you know, that's that's the sort of myth-making thing that's always gone along with this because Goodell has just been a lackey at NFL office for years, a guy with an econ undergraduate degree, but a guy that really has played no formidable football past high school. He shares that in common with millions of Americans. This is not some sort of borderline NFL guy who's now running it with the sort of grace of someone who has that background this is not that case but he kind of likes to let that thing float out there and for for colin to tee this up to him man we don't need the baby oil here in the interview let's get to the meat good lord you only had the guy for 14 minutes and you're going to that there are dozens upon dozens maybe up to 100 of good questions that you could come up with in this environment that does not involve you were so awesome in high school, Roger. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because Thursday night games, we did a study in our show, and we found that there are fewer penalties on Thursday, and the completion percentages are higher on Thursday, so I don't buy the media narrative that it's bad football. I do not. We have looked up efficiency stats, and they're better than the league average. However, the optics are from veteran players that safety matters, and a lot of veteran players have said on Thursday, some old guys wake up still sore. 
We know that football's not as bad. We looked it up. We do think the games are pretty darn good. But we do worry about the optics for veteran players. That has to be something you at least are talking about. All right, there is a lot to chew on here. I mean, first and foremost, he goes into this idea that increased passing efficiency means better football. No, it just might mean you're getting crap defense. High efficiency, football was better. No, not necessarily. It could mean teams are laying down. Some of these Thursday games have been an absolute crock. That's not a media narrative. It's an eyeball narrative. If you have them and they function, you see that. It's been sloppy football. Uh, Going to sort of a stat to say it wasn't sloppy is just sort of asking your your brain to take a nap. Uh, So whatever Colin's opinion happens to be on this, it's a terrible way to, to... tee an issue of safety to a commissioner. If you're sort of giving a known as, we know it's actually still good football because look at what it says here in my spreadsheet. Well, that's nonsense. Uh, and the, the question here is one of safety. And, and you know, again, we're sort of getting into the chumminess here between Colin. He's sort of trying to soften up Roger, like just a couple of old football buddies talking about football on Friday morning after a long Thursday night. And that's, you know, again, that's a little bit ridiculous because Roger's going to come in here with some safety answers. And why is that ridiculous? Well, because clearly it's worse for you. There's there's no way to spin that it's not. It, and and again, where, where Colin is really falling short here is he's framing it after sort of this notion that stats can tell you it's not sloppy, which is silly. He goes into this idea that it's optics. It's the optics of guys thinking they're hurt. It's the optics of guys talking about being hurt. Listen, your optic isn't what hurt. Your optic nerve is not hurt. It's not the sight of leg pain. It's the feeling of leg pain. It's not the sight of your joint screaming. It's them actually screaming. It's not the idea that you become more apt to injury. You absolutely factually do. When you have worn down muscles that have been put back out in the field earlier without a tremendous amount of prep, you have increased the risk of injury. You absolutely have. Beat up, bruised, not flushed out flushed out muscles tend to pull more. They just do. And, and this is sort of a fact of life. So the idea that we're, we're sort of having this discussion about safety among, amongst a couple of chums here who, who believe in the stats of, of good football, which is silly, and the idea that Safety boils down to optics, which is nonsense. Whatever's about to come out of Roger's mouth is going to be nonsense because the question itself was nonsense. Let's hear his answer. Right? Of, of course, Colin, but you know we're more than just optics here. We're into facts. And so go to the same statistics because you're right about the quality of the games on Thursday night. There are actually less penalties, less turnovers. Almost by every barometer, the quality of the game is better on Thursday night. Listen, radio host aside and the the douchey bureaucrat who's on the other side of the microphone, uh, football people do not agree with this opinion. Real football people, the players, the coaches, it's not better. You cannot find that answer in a spreadsheet. You just find it with your eyeballs, trained eyeballs. Neither of the two people in this conversation have it. So we have to pause this here and just interrupt God, Roger because he's doing this again. He's saying to the listener, do not believe your eyes. Do not believe what you're seeing. Uh, it's exactly the opposite of what you think. Uh, let me handle this. And that's ridiculous. Again, at some point, this needs to be shopped out to someone who's more qualified than Roger. Really, neither of these two people in this conversation should be involved in making these decisions. Players that play will tell you what is and is not better for their body. The doctors that are involved in treating these people and having to get them up to speed on short notice, they'll tell you 
if it is or is not healthy. The spreadsheet won't. By dodging bullets, it doesn't mean that getting shot at is good. This is ridiculous. The idea that we have to listen to these clowns fumble through these answers, it's bad for everyone. But hey, let's dive back in and do some more of it. Now, obviously, some games you're going to have that aren't going to be as competitive and they will have a dominance. But you, you get that. On safety, there is, and we've been tracking this every year, and there has not been any, any indication, facts, or anything else that would, would indicate that the level of injuries are up on Thursday night. Of course, playing a game like football, you're going to be sore the next morning. Yes, of course, we always take that into consideration. And that's one of the things why we walked very slowly into this as we built Thursday night football. We started off with uh, eight games, and we built it up. And it's something that we'll continue to look at. How do we do the scheduling, as an example? Should we have people flying on Sunday night, returning, and then playing away on Thursday? We want, we try to do whatever we can to make sure we give those players the opportunity to recover from any injuries or even the, the normal uh, uh, contact that they're going to have in a game. But also we hear a lot, and this came up in our negotiations in 2011, that a lot of the players really like it because you have 10 days afterwards yes, before right. the next game. Right. And so it acts as a sort of mini-buy was, I think, the term that was used. So yeah. there are a lot of things you have to balance in there, Colin. The NFL's always done a good job of controlling their content. Uh, it is, you know, it's often referred to as the shield. But I used to work at a company that struggled with the emerging social media world we have. It's hard to get your arms around it. It's hard to control. Facebook Live story on Antonio Brown. As as a gentleman, you and I both did not grow up with an iPhone in our hand at 18 years old. Is it realistic to say, listen, NFL, this is the one part of your content you're not going to be able to control. Lighten up on Twitter, NFL, and let the kids talk. Well, gentlemen don't lie so often, but hey, let's hear Roger's answer. Well, we do. Uh, we have, obviously, a social media policy that's been changing. In fact, we made a lot of changes earlier this year. And yes, you, we have technology. We have an opportunity for our players to go directly to the fans. Uh, those are all new opportunities. I think we're exploring each of those aggressively. But we also need to protect and make sure that we're doing the right thing uh, for our current partners and our current negotiations. But uh, we're pushing and, uh, and adopting into that technology quite quickly, uh, maybe not as quickly as everybody wants, but with the idea that it's great for the fans. And that's why you see all of our fan engagement numbers are going up dramatically on that level because more people are engaging with these technologies and we're delivering on that. Roger, do we, only... have, more to, do we have more to do, Colin? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's fluid. It's hard. My former employer dealt with this. It's very, very hard. Okay, i got to ask you this. I've got 45 seconds left. And you've been very candid with me, and I do appreciate you choosing us. I really do. Pause. Colin Coward just thanked Roger Goodell for his level of candidness it happened it just happened here we have not all been sucked into a black hole the earth has not melted into its own core that was said as if it were real <laughs> back into the interview but i gotta ask you you just gotta be as honest as you can if you handed the trophy to brady wouldn't there be a little discomfort maybe because of all the talk and the narrative and the media and people say oh roger's uncomfortable with that the committee would you be slightly uncomfortable for even a moment not not for a second I think we can all be glad that Colin asked that question. I think we can all 
simultaneously roll our eyes at the answer. Someone who has actively avoided confrontation for two years, has, has turtled, has been Puxatani Roger with his head in the hole for as long as we can remember. You don't have any believability when you also say that oh, I'd be completely comfortable with that. It's just not credible, dude. It's your line. I didn't find that answer credible. Well, neither do the mouth breathers of the world. That was insane, Roger. Stop saying it. Colin, man, you're getting lied to again, pal. Uh, this is one of the great opportunities. We have two dominant teams playing the Super Bowl. The Patriots and Falcons have both earned the opportunity to be there. They deserve it. And whoever wins that championship is going to have to earn it because these are great teams. And so I'm going to be thrilled. Uh, Tom Brady is one of the all-time greats. Uh, he has been for several years. He's on the precipice of uh, at least potentially winning his fifth Super Bowl ring. He's an extraordinary player, great performer, and a surefire Hall of Famer. So it would be an honor. Well, I have friends in Las Vegas, and they do appreciate you taking a more progressive stance like Adam Silver on the NBA with Las Vegas, less of a stigma. And I know a lot of people in that city appreciate it. There is a stigma in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s of gambling in Las Vegas, but you guys seem as a league to be more open to it, and I've been told by friends they appreciate that. I, I imagine, did Adam Silver influence you at all? No, we've, you know, listen, we've seen the changes in uh, the culture, I think, around the country and gambling. Uh, we're obviously very sensitive to that, but we're also, you know, we're going to evaluate the Raiders' case uh, on the relocation application yeah. and what's in the overall best interest of the league. But also, you know, Colin, listen, the, the one thing we can't ever do is compromise on the game. Whoa, horsey. Uh, sorry, pal. Uh, this this advent of all these new Thursday games is precisely compromising the game. That's that's what it is. It's asking professional football teams who practice through certain regiments. A lot of work goes into playing a game seven days later. You purposely compromised that process. You you said you know what uh, I need another game in the middle of the week. Uh, you guys just go walk through and show up at a stadium and put on performance for us. That is very very specifically compromising the integrity of a game. That's what you've done. It is what it is. So now sort of the notion of inviting in uh, gambling. I'm a proponent, uh, but let's not pretend like it wasn't always there even when you were saying it was bad. Uh, this whole notion of uh, players not being allowed to consort with known gamblers. That was a, that's old language in our, in our CBA, uh, you know, but you get to, right? I mean, you're, you're actively negotiating with guys who run hotels and casinos. I mean, clearly to put the team there. So not saying I have any moral problem with that whatsoever, but the idea that you've been floating on this particular morality is it's a matter of record. You just, just have what what's okay for you is not okay for players. That's it. They can't, they can't hold their card uh, conventions. They can't hold the fantasy football conventions and anything. If it even happens to, you know, have an odor of a casino within, within distance of the player. So uh, the idea that you, you don't touch upon the integrity of issues, it's complete nonsense. No one believes you. And for the people that sit in a room, hear you say it, and then do believe you, you're committing a little uh, a little crime of morality yourself. You, you need to buck up. Back to the eye. And that's one of the things we'll do is make sure that the policies that we've created, if we did in any way approve the Raiders, I don't see us compromising in any of the policies. Yeah. Commissioner, thank you for your time this morning and answering, you're my, welcome, Colin. and answering all my questions. Thank you. Enjoy the Super Bowl. It's going to be a great one. Yep, in Houston. Roger Goodell. 
And that is all. Clearly, our little run here went uh, much more than the 14 minutes of audio they had between Goodell and Colin, but hopefully you learned something from it and that it was entertaining as well. Obviously, what was asked was not answered. And obviously, in a lot of cases, what was asked was not smart. And obviously, to not follow up in many of these instances... Equally not smart. But this is the environment we're in, and I thought it was really important to do this to sort of highlight all the problems, all the sort of tattered edges around the way we do this. Understand, Colin just got that. Maybe there'll be a a little moment here or there that's highly scripted and restricted that'll happen again before the Super Bowl. Uh, But also understand, I don't know if folks out there understand, have, have sort of caught this little piece of news, but typically the NFL holds Roger Goodell's press conference on Friday. Now, he's been getting heat left and right. He... He bailed in his cowardly way of even showing up in New England for, for the AFC Championship game, sort of doubling down and going back to the same city. We all know that. So he knows that there's heat coming. His handlers know there's heat coming. Uh, he is, he's never spoken to a New England media member since Deflategate. He's never sat with anyone. He, he's denied requests from dozens of that I know personally, uh, people who are both in this market and others, that have made interview requests that he's dodged. He's turtled on. This is who this guy is. Uh, but they've now done, uh, they've taken taken what's been tradition to do the Friday press conference for him, the state of the state, the big state of the NFL speech, which in itself is a joke. It's usually some play 60 kids scripted questions from, Hey, is there going to be a team in LA and Hey, what's going on in Europe? And, uh, uh, you know, weed question, whatever. It's never the hard biting stuff because you're not going to get a follow up from that guy. So it's become a bit of a circus anyway. So it is what it is. But they they know heat is coming. They know it. So they move it from Friday to Wednesday. And why why is that important? Because what happens on Wednesday, especially in the environment now, where one of the two teams will be the the, the media room will be dominated by local media members from New England, from the Boston area. Um, they put media availability for the players uh, back at the hotel. And, you know, Wednesday is a big day. We're just starting off the practice week. So player availability is way more important in the big scheme of things, sort of preparing for this game and sort of telling your stories back to your market with the players. So they put media members in a bind. Do you go or do you split your crew? Do you send anyone at all to go listen to to Roger give some nonsense answers? Probably not. And that's sort of what it appears to be the gamble that the NFL's made. Hide this guy. Hide him. Hide the guy that says he wouldn't be uncomfortable, but hide him. Keep him from dangerous situations because he is a radish. He can't speak good talk. <laughs> he's he's having problems, so let's at least let's just at this point say we're not doing it, but do it. We'll hide the man. We'll try to create barriers to getting access to him. And even when it does happen, nothing will come of it. No fruit there. So at least you kind of understand sort of the environment this is all happening in now. I don't want to do this every single time we get a few uh, a few burps out of Roger Goodell. This might be a once-in-a-long-time thing, but maybe we'll go back to his uh, to his press conference answers at the Super Bowl. I will be there, and we'll try to deconstruct that as well. But hopefully any media member that happens to hear this, beyond just fans that are going to listen to this podcast, will understand that, man, you got to do better. Uh, this is this – is, we're in a really, really – Really peculiar time here in the NFL, uh, with all the head injury stuff going on, with looming litigation, the billion-dollar settlement they already had to have, and and the issues of of safety that just aren't simply aren't going to go away. You're relying upon a guy who denied science. Head over heels. I just said, oh, I have no, nope, no, I cannot see that. Put the horse blinders on when scientists from around the country said that his entire interpretation was bogus. That guy is also now saying, we're going to follow science on head, head issues. It's not credible, people. It's not credible. You're dealing with a liar who could mishandle this thing 
could take this to the point where you endanger the future viability of the game. Litigation is scary. Uh, People taking themselves out of this game, that's scary. Uh, What new lawsuit may be around the corner, that's scary. And you got to start holding this guy accountable or the game's going to go away. It's not going to go away tomorrow. I get that. That's hyperbole. It's not even going to go away five or ten years from now. I get that as well. But it's the slow chipping away, the melting of the glacier. And it's not measured just in growing revenue. It's measured in interest. It's measured in in skittishness of of advertisers. It's measured in coming empty stadiums. It's measured in in, in, uh, ratings that continue to sort of just ever so slightly go down. This guy's dangerous. You need to hold him accountable. If you don't, we're going to lose our game. And years later, you're going to say, well, why didn't I step up and say something then? Why did I sit on my hands and Colin Coward that interview? I shouldn't have. Don't coward. All right, people. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football Insight by Football Players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.